You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. And then on, at Night Church on Tuesday, this is part three of the series I've been doing called Pilgrim's Progress. And I've used the title of that well-known old Christian book called Pilgrim's Progress. And this is the final part of it. And I'm going to be looking at a final few verses in John chapter 12 in just a moment. Should say to Cafe Church downstairs, welcome lads. Good to see some of you earlier and hope you're all doing well watching on the screen down there. So I'm going to just pray as we begin, asking you, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would inhabit the word that goes out here today. And may your word, your Logos word, and the rhema that you will bring from it be life-giving in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last Sunday, I was looking at how a couple of Greek fellas showed up at the big feast of the Passover and we read in John 12, 21 that some of them came to Philip saying, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Now, you might say that's nothing, but last week we saw how those guys, that was a huge thing for them and we looked into all the intricacies of how they choose Philip to go to because he had a Greek name and even though he was a Jew, Bethsaida, the town he came from, was hugely influenced by Greek culture. So they come and they're making a journey. And we saw how these guys had to make a physical journey, a social journey, as well as a spiritual journey. They were, starting with the spiritual, they were converts. They were part of the outer section of the Jewish community. They weren't Jews, but they were known as God-fearers. And so they had come on a big spiritual journey. But physically, they made a big journey. They traveled by land and sea. And we saw last week how if you and I don't take on board the fact that we need to make physical journeys as well as spiritual, we won't survive. Some people today are just watching the telly, TV, or they're looking at something online and they think that will do for church and it won't do for church. We need to get in the car or walk or get the bus and come to church. Amen. It's not a substitute to watch the telly. And equally, we do the same when we're meeting Christian friends. We put ourselves out so that we can make that physical journey. We go to conferences. Look at the lads here from California. They've traveled from the other side of the world by road, by land, by, by airplane. And they've made the journey to come and serve. That is a pilgrimage. You're on a pilgrimage, guys. Don't know whether you knew it or not, but you're on a pilgrimage coming to serve the Lord here. Not only physical, but also social. And we would have looked at how these guys would have had to say no to the culture they came from. So in Irish culture, what's the big thing everyone wants to do here? Get drunk and out of your head with drunk or with drugs or whatever. And so as Christians, we're going, thanks but no thanks. I'm not going to do that anymore. I've got something far better. I've got something that gives me a joy that no alcohol or drugs will ever give me. Hallelujah. 
So we learned to say no. They had to say no to the orgies in the temple of the Greek gods. They had to say no to even their own families almost definitely. But we say yes to better things. So pilgrimage is physical, pilgrimage is social, pilgrimage or journey is also spiritual. And that was the journey these guys went on. So there they were, and we saw that last week, talking and listening. And then we saw on Tuesday night how they would have gone to the temple because it was the Passover. And we set up different interactive stations here to try and recreate, recreate what that journey would have felt like. So we had the big basin of water where they would have symbolically washed their hands. We did that. We had the sin altar. We had the prayer altar with the incense. Remember in the scripture talks about the prayers of the people going up like an incense into God's nostrils. We had the showbread and so on. So we physically tried to recreate that as best we could while we looked at the Bible. So this is the conclusion. And the guys were talking to Philip and Andrew, and then they came to Jesus, and Jesus started talking. And this is quite a long message in John 12, and I'm just going to highlight a few verses, but you can read the full context in John 12 yourselves at home. And this is what God's word said, and this is what these Greek lads would have heard Jesus say. Unless a grain of wheat dies in the ground, it can never produce a harvest. The person who loves and pampers himself in this life will miss out on real life. But the person who detaches themselves from this world's ways and follows me will enjoy life now and forever. And then pivotedly, Jesus moved on out through the crowd. So here are the guys, and they're hearing this, among other things. What did it mean? Let me just highlight. First of all, that bit about the grain of wheat needs to die in the ground. They all came from an agricultural background. That generation were close to the soil, close to the earth. Today, we're mainly urban and we've lost contact with how things grow. But they all got it straight away in their agrarian culture. And they knew that something had to die in order for great harvest to come. And the grain of wheat had to be buried in the ground before you had a whole load of life. And Jesus is saying it's the same spiritually. And they got it straight away. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And you and I have to deny ourselves. And when we come to Jesus, we have to deny some aspects of our natural nature that will only end up hurting us anyway. Amen. Amen. And we say yes to what is better. And Jesus would have said that. And then he went on and he elaborated by saying the person who loves and pampers himself in this life will miss out on real life. Now, that's not to say that we don't look after ourselves or if you go to a spa or something and you pamper yourself for an hour or two. That's not what that's saying. This is talking about how some of us will fall into the trap if we don't have Jesus in our lives, where we become obsessed with ourselves. It's all about me, 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 me. And, you know, 
the longer you keep looking in a mirror, the more you'll find something in your face you don't like. The longer you keep looking at your body shape, lads as well as girls, the more you'll find something you don't like. I'm blessed that way, but you know, I'm just trying to reach out to the masses here. Hallelujah. The more we look in our intellect, our personality, our sporting skills, whatever you're into, the more we look in, the more we'll find something isn't as it should be. But the more we look up, the more we're encouraged. And this is saying, take your eyes off looking in and start looking up. And when you start looking up, then you'll be encouraged. And as you get strength from looking up to the Lord, it will give you the ability and the strength to look to others. And then finally, you'll find that you yourself are far better mentally, emotionally, and even as Michael shared at the beginning, physically. And so Jesus is trying to persuade the people, don't be looking in to yourself the whole time. And then he gives the alternative. But the person who detaches themselves from this world's way, ways will enjoy life now and forever. So we detach ourselves. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean we all live in some hippie commune on an island and till the land or something. It doesn't mean we have nothing to do with the world. It just means in your heart and in your mind, in my heart and my mind, we recognize that some of what this world is about is not for us. We are an alternative community. Hallelujah. And I am so comfortable with that. We don't have to follow the crowd all the time. We don't have to go with the fashion of this world. Now, for anyone who grew up here in Cork, 30 years ago, this city was so different. What was acceptable was a million miles away. Even 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. And you know what? In 10 years' time, it'll be different again. And in 30 years' time, it'll probably swing back to the way it was 30 years ago. This world is obsessed with fashion and with crazes and with the latest thing. And if you and I set our moral compass according to the fashions of this world, we'll end up getting confused. But if we set our moral compass according to God's word and according to Jesus Christ, the man from Galilee, then our moral compass will be secure. Hallelujah. We put our feet on the rock and not the shifting sand. So there is such a blessing when we detach ourselves, not from everything, but from a lot of what's not good in the world's ways. And he promises you'll enjoy, you'll be blessed in eternity after we die, but even in this life as well. So as Christians, we are fortunate and blessed to enjoy a quality of life that many people don't have. And this is what Jesus is saying in verse 25. And then finally, the last verse in this, we read that Jesus moved on out through the crowd. Through the crowd. And this is where I've been for the last week. I've kept thinking about this verse. Jesus moved on out through the crowd. So here you have these Greek guys, and they've made this big journey, like you've made a journey today. And here they are listening to the words of Jesus. And we've just been listening uh, together to the words of the Bible as we sing them on the screen. But who were the crowd? Who were the crowd? 
I can remember as a, a teenager, and I can remember when I met Denise, she'll be along at the next uh, service, when I met Denise, first of all, I remember we used to go back then when I was like 16, 17, and you know, the only place you could really go, you couldn't go to pubs, so we went to the dances or the discos, but every time you went into a, a big crowd, a gathering, straight away we'd look for where were our kind of guys, and for me and for a lot of guys my age back then, it was all divided on music, so we were 100% the same, we were all white, Irish, Catholic background, blah de blah but we had a difference when it came to music. And when you went into any big venue, you would try and find your kind of people. So I can remember the night I met my beloved wife Denise in the city hall at a big uh, concert dance there. I can remember walking in and I was going, where are the guys who are into rock music? Because rock music was guys' music. You know what I mean? The fellas who were into pop music, we, we saw that as girls' music, you see? So there was the pop music crowd, the rock music guys, there were the guys who were into country and western music. Ah. So we didn't want to hang out with them at all. And then there were the guys who were into old time music, like Frank Sinatra and that kind of stuff. It was the generation previous. So everyone had their own kind of music. And that was our divide. And I can remember going into the city hall and I would go up and I would hang out with the rock music crowd and the DJ would play different music just to keep all the different groups happy. And so when the country and western music would come on, we would just sit down and protest. We wouldn't listen to that. We were purists, you see. But when our music came on, we would go up to the top and we'd all do air guitar. You know air guitar? As we say, it's like Machia guitar in Cork. So we'd do air guitar and we'd shake our heads and I'd beautiful big head of hair. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's why I lost it. <laughs> I shook it all out. Hey, baby. Shake it all out. I shook all my hair out and I had big curly hair. And we would be up there, and we'd be into our thing. And then they'd play another music, and we'd sit down again. But when I was looking, uh, and I saw Denise, she was kind of on the fringes of the rock music thing. And that's what first attracted me to her, because there was something about her that I could identify with. She wasn't into country music. Now, if you're into country music, God bless you. I've actually grown to appreciate it a bit more as I've gotten older. So this isn't about music. But I could identify to some degree with her. So the crowd when I was a teenager was different. And the crowd here was different. You know the first thing most people say to themselves intuitively when they come into a new church? The first thing people go is, is there anyone else like me here? So like if you're a man and you go into a church and it's all women, you're going to be uncomfortable or vice versa. Or if you're young and it's all elderly people, you're going to be uncomfortable, and vice versa, and so on and so on. That's why the church has to reflect every generation, and it has to affect, uh, reach out to every racial group in its area. Anyone say amen? That, that's the church. That's what heaven's going to be like. But when we come into a church, we go, is there anyone else like me here? So Jesus is moving through the crowd. And he's moving through the crowd today. Amen. He's walking up and down these aisles, whether we, we don't see him, but we sense it by his spirit. Who were the crowd? And where would you fit in this crowd? Because this is one of the last 
um, sermons, if you will, that Jesus said publicly. So let's have a brief look at the crowd. The first group are the disciples of Jesus. That's like a lot of us here. They were intentional. They loved Jesus. They were following him. So they were there because they'd made a decision to be there, like many of us here today. And they loved to hear his words, and they loved to praise and to worship him. So most of us get that straight away. They were part of the crowd, but there was other different people groups there. And I think it's quite prophetic about the future. This was a prophetic situation that was talking about the future and the way the world would go, but I think it's prophetic for us today as well. Because there were also what were known as the local people. By that, the scripture tells us that there were people from the inhabitants of Jerusalem and Galilee and all Israel. They'd gone up to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. So they're all there. And what does that mean? You see, they weren't really followers of Jesus, but they weren't against him either. They were like neutral. You know, they were, they were interested and they thought, yeah, he's doing good things. But they hadn't quite believed in him. And some of us here today are like that. We think he's good. We wouldn't have come to a church like this otherwise. But you're more open, neutral. You haven't really believed yet. What happened to these people? Well, shortly after this, a couple of months later, if even, we read in Acts chapter 2 that thousands were added to the first Christian church, which is in Jerusalem, every day. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added. The following day, 5,000. So many of the locals, the people of Jerusalem, of Galilee and all Israel, were converted, believed in Jesus. So if you are here and you're in this people group, or if you have someone in your life and you care about them, and they're in this people group, they're open, but they don't really believe, take courage. Because thousands believed after this. And I pray that thousands would believe before this year is over here in Cork. I pray that thousands of people that you interact with every day would come to faith in Jesus. Do you know that in our ancestors' time, comparing today, you meet more people in one day than your ancestors met in their entire life? Not only has the population of the world exploded, but we're mobile. So, for example, my ancestors go back a couple of hundred years. They would have probably known a couple of hundred people all their lives. They would never have left the little village on the coast of West Cork where they grew up and lived and married and died. So they would have, maybe the amount of people in this hall is the amount of people they would have ever met in their whole life. But today we meet such a multitude. And you... And I have something worth sharing. We have the light of God in our lives. So if there's someone in your life who's neutral, God will use you. And if you're here and you're neutral, I pray today that you'll end up not being neutral, but you'll believe. Amen. Next group were the opposition. They were known as the Pharisees. And they really didn't like Jesus. And they weren't just not believers, they were opposed to Jesus. And why were they opposed? Because they were the rulers spiritually and Jesus and what he represented was threatening their way of life. 
Now those, and I say it with respect, who grew up here in Cork and you were Christians 30 years ago or more, you'll know what this felt like. And I won't go any further. But Jesus had the Pharisees who were really against him. Do you know what I'd say to you though? If there's someone in your life who's really against Jesus, I'm talking about an enemy of Jesus, opposed to him. What I'd say to you, and what I say to myself, is usually if someone is really opposed to Jesus, they're really opposed because they know it's getting under their skin. They know this is the truth. And they're concerned because they know there's a power in what you might be willing to say to them. And maybe we've got one or two people in here today and you are part of this opposition group. You really are against Jesus. And, you know, fairly regularly I was dealing with a guy earlier on the week. He hates Jesus. He hates Christianity. And he's got this venom against it. And, you know, I try and see beyond the argument. I want to win the war, not the battle. I don't just want to win some argument and then see him lost. I'm trying to look beyond into the human being. What's the hurt that's going on there? What's the history in this guy's life that he is so against Jesus and Christianity? And in my experience, and when we look at the Bible, those who are most opposed make the best converts. They cross over, so many of them, and they believe. And they take that energy and passion and they put it into the gospel. Look at Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament. He was really opposed and many others. And what about these Pharisees who are part of the crowd as Jesus walked through that crowd? Well, we're told, for example, in Acts 15, that some Pharisees, this was a little later, also became followers of Jesus. And then as we read later in the book of Acts, which is like the history of the early Christian church, there was an explosion or a revival, if you will, of lots of Pharisees who started following Jesus. So if you're working with someone who's really opposed to Christianity or someone in your family is really against the Lord, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Pray and be ready. To reach out to the person. If you don't win an argument, that's okay. But reach out to the person. And by God's grace, we'll see many opponents of the Lord won to him. Anyone say amen? Amen, amen means I agree. But there was other people groups. There was also those who had been mourning at Lazarus's funeral. Because just before what we read, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Dead three days. What did they see? Well, what they saw at that funeral were two things. Remember, we're told in John chapter 11, the chapter before this, that Jesus saw Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, weeping and crying. And he saw their friends desperately upset at this young man's death. And the shortest sentence in the Bible says, Jesus wept. Every time I read it, I get emotional when I read it. Jesus wept. And the people looking on said, see how much he loved them. So the very first thing these witnesses of Lazarus's death and resurrection, the first thing they saw was the love of Jesus Christ. And then after that, they saw the power of Jesus Christ. They saw the love and then they saw the miracle. When you see 
the authentic love of Jesus and you see the authentic, wonderful power of Jesus in someone's life. It's irresistible. So they saw this and these were, if you will, the new believers because those people who witnessed this were standing listening to Jesus and were told that many who saw what Jesus had done also believed in him. Now the question I ask is, how on earth could all the others who saw the love of Jesus firsthand and saw someone raised from the dead, saw the power of God, how could they walk away and not believe? But you and I will have people in our families, in work, friends, neighbors, and it's like there's a spiritual veil. It's like a darkness. And I don't know the answer. Sometimes God would have reached out to them in the past and they'd have kept rejecting him. And the book of Thessalonians says, a day will come when the Lord will give them over to whatever it is they're into. And perhaps you're dealing with that. There's a time, there's a time when you just go, it's up to you now, Lord, I can't say anymore. But a huge amount of the people who saw the love and the power of God believed. And some of you here today are very recent converts. You've come to know Jesus recently. You've seen God's love. You've seen God's power. And this is all new to you. And so for these guys, this was probably the first sermon or message they had ever heard. But they were part of the crowd. Praise God for all those who've believed recently. Who'll say amen to that? <laughs> Hallelujah. And some of you are here. There was another group there, and I find these the most interesting, because way at the back were the Romans. Tough lads, tough boys. They knew how to handle themselves. These guys were physically tough and tough in every way. They, they dealt with death all the time. The thing is, the Romans didn't choose to be there. They happened to be there. It was their job. Remember, this is part of the Roman Empire. Palestine, Jerusalem was part of that. And they were basically the guys who were there with work. And so here you have the Romans there. But they didn't choose to be there. They happened to be there because of something else. Some of us who are sitting here in Grace Church in Cork this morning are part of this group. Maybe you're a teenager and mum and dad believe, but you don't really believe. You're here because of them. Or maybe you're here because of your wife or your husband. So you're here to support them and to be with them, and, and that's good. But that doesn't last. Amen? Everyone needs to have a personal encounter with Jesus. And I will go to my grave preaching that. Because it's the truth. It's no good if mum and dad are Christians and you say, well, I come from a Christian home. Uh-uh, doesn't work. You have to have that encounter for yourself. Or else it's just dead religion. And this country has had enough of dead religion. We don't want to just show up because it's what my family do. We're here because there's something real going on inside in every one of our hearts. So the Romans happened to be there. They didn't particularly would have chosen to come themselves. But what happened to them? Well, we're told in Mark 15, 39, that the Roman soldier stood before the cross with Jesus on the cross and he said, surely this man is the son of God. Whoa, 
And we go on in the book of Acts and we read of Cornelius, who was a centurion, like a major in the army. And we're told that him, all his family and all his friends, they were all Romans. They all became believers. And Peter and the other guys were looking on and Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, and they said, they all started speaking in tongues. And the Holy Spirit came on them like it came on us. Do you know, if you are married to someone who's a Christian and you're just keeping them happy, or your mum and dad were a Christian, or maybe you're here with a friend, or down in cafe church with a friend, and you're, you're here just for the support of your friend, it is no coincidence that an important person or people in your life are born-again Christians. That is not a coincidence. That is part of God's plan. Amen. Because he's reaching out to you. Amen. Do you think this... Roman soldier who was by Calvary, was that a coincidence? No, it wasn't. It was part of God's plan. God had him there. And the Lord had been preparing his heart, even whether he knew it or not. That's why he looked up and he said, this surely is the Son of God. And if you're here and you come from a Christian family, God puts you in a Christian family. If you're married to a Christian, this is God trying to reach out to you. If your buddy, your friend is a Christian, God is trying to reach out to you. If you're here and you have a family member who isn't a Christian, and I'm speaking to the disciples now, remember, you are the person that God has raised up to reach out to them. Don't be waiting for someone else to come and do it. Because you'll stay waiting. And it's one of the biggest tricks of the devil to keep us waiting for someone who can speak better or whatever. No, you're the person God put in their lives. I'm the person God put in my family's lives. And so may God use us to reach out to them. And may we see them like the Romans come to faith like this. And so there was one last group of people in the crowd as Jesus moved through that crowd and walked through them, passing by them like he's doing here by his Holy Spirit. And they're the guys we started this three series of studies because the final group were those Greeks. Now what we're not told is what were their names. Many theologians believe that they were there and it was like a prophetic statement in this last big public speech that Jesus made. And it, was, it wasn't their time yet because Jesus had to die in Calvary and the time for reaching to the Gentiles was yet to come. But they were a prophetic symbol of the way it was to come. But these Greeks were there, and they were listening, and they were looking at Jesus. And not only were they looking and listening, they were feeling as well. And we're not told what happened to them, but it is almost certain that they went on to believe. Who are the Greeks? They are the searchers. And maybe you're here today and you're a searcher. You're searching. You're authentically looking to see what's the next step on my pilgrimage, on my journey through life. The Romans had a pilgrimage. The witnesses of Lazarus had a pilgrimage. Even the opponents, the Pharisees, they were on a journey as well. We're all on that journey, but there is a next step. And the next step can be the right step or the wrong step. We don't know what happened to these Greeks, but what we do know is very shortly after this, a whole revival, a move of God broke out all over what we now know as Turkey and Greece, where these Greek-speaking people were living. 
And we're told, for example, in Acts 14, that a great number of God-fearing Greeks believed. So everywhere where the early Christians, Paul, Timothy, and all of these, you can read about it, their missionary journeys through all these cities and towns. Many of us have gone on holidays there. Everywhere they went, the first place they went to was the Jewish church. It was known as the synagogue. And you know the first people group who believed? They were the God-fearing Greeks who were on the outer fringe of these communities. They were the first because they hadn't fully converted to the Jewish faith. It's like they knew there's something more. But when they heard about Jesus, hallelujah, they knew this is the next step. And so all over, this is one of loads of verses of all of these Greeks, as they were called, coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So all of these people in the crowd represent different stages on people's journey or pilgrimage. It's what we do with the next step is the big question. And so finally, who are you? It's one of the deepest questions anyone can ask you. Who are you? And what do you want? Who are you? And what do you want? Are you a disciple? Praise God. Are you one of those neutral ones? Praise God. I'm going to pray for you not to be neutral anymore. There's no Switzerland in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We're full on. We believe. There's no sitting in the wall. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except through him. Are you an opponent? By God's grace, he'll melt your heart. Are you someone who, like the witnesses at uh, Lazarus' funeral, this is all new to you. By God's grace, you'll get strengthened and you'll take your next step. Are you here out of duty like the Romans? This is not a coincidence. This is part of God's plan. And are you searching? Hallelujah. You've come to the right place. I don't mean me or this church. Yeah, we're part of it. But you've come to Jesus. We're pointing to Jesus. We're not pointing to us. We're pointing to Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So I'm going to pray for anyone who finds themselves particularly in these last few categories. And then I'm going to pray for you, all of ye, you plural, that's what we say in Ireland. I'm going to play for everyone here because I promise you, you know someone in one of these categories and you're the person that God is raising up to reach out to them. Now you might say, oh, I just came to church to have a bit of a blessing. This is the best blessing. This is the best blessing. Remember what we started off with? We take our eyes off ourselves, we look up, and then we look to others and in that is the greatest blessing of all. You will be happier. You will be more content in your mind and in your emotions and even physically if we follow God's rhythm and God's way. So I'm going to call up the band. I'm going to play the last song, particularly the chorus or the bridge that the guys were singing. Sorry, uh, it's the last song the guys sang, uh, Diana. We've just changed the song. Thank you. So I'm going to pray for everyone who wants prayer. So could you stand and just to, let's stand. We're going to sing, sing this song. And if you are a searcher, if you are neutral, we're going to pray. Whether you're in Cafe Church, I hope you do it as well, or here. We're going to pray that the Lord brings you on the next step. But then I want to pray for everyone who's a Christian. 
who knows someone who's an opponent or a neutral or they're in your life and maybe out of duty. And we're going to pray that God will use you to reach them. So let's sing particularly the bridge uh, role and then we'll pray. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Spirit move on your heart as we worship God for a minute and then we'll pray. Snow shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Snow wall you won't kick down, my you won't tear down, coming after me. Snow shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Lie won't tear down, coming after me. Snow shadow won't light up, mountain won't climb up, coming after me. Snow all you won't kick down, lie won't tear down, coming after me. I don't deserve it Till you give yourself away Holy, overwhelming, never-ending Reckless love of God Let's give a bit of space for God to do a miracle in this hall The miracle of salvation Let's close our eyes on stage and off stage Let's give space to people if you're in one of these categories and you've never given your life to Jesus, you're neutral, maybe you're opposed, maybe you're just searching, maybe you're here out of duty. With every eye in the house closed, if your eyes are open, you really are invading someone else's time with God. I'm going to ask you in total privacy to lift up your hand and then take your hand down again. Just so that you say to the Lord, I see your hand, I see your hand. Okay. Okay. All right, I think we have three people who want to invite the Lord into their lives. I'm going to say this prayer. We call it the sinner's prayer. On Tuesday night, we all had a badge on us that said sinner. You've got to own the fact that you're a sinner. I own it before we get forgiveness. So we're going to pray God's mercy will flow through your life and that you'll come to know the Lord. So I'm going to ask everyone to repeat the prayer after me, but we're saying it for these three people. So if you could repeat after me, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ I, confess, I confess I am a sinner. I, am a sinner. I turn from my old, ways, my old ways and I turn to you. And I, turn to you. I, surrender. I surrender. Jesus, come into my heart. Change my life. Heal me. Use me. I want to follow you all the days of my life. 
So be my leader. Be my savior. And be my friend. In Jesus' name. Amen. We give our three friends a round of applause. God bless you. If you'd like to talk to myself or Michael, please come up to us afterwards. Up in the Connect desk, we've got New Testaments for those who become Christians. So please try and connect. Don't just slip away. God wants to continue the work in your life. I want to pray now for everyone who's here and you've got someone in your family, in your friends, in your work, and they're one of these categories. I'm just going to ask out loud. You've got to own this. How many people here know someone who is opposed to Jesus? Loads of hands. It's not a coincidence that you know that person. Thank you for owning that. How many people here know neutral people, like the local people of Jerusalem? They're neutral, but they, they haven't crossed the line. You're the ones to help them cross that line. People here know of family members or friends who out of duty are following you, but you know they need to make the call for themselves. Would you lift up your hand? Loads of hands as well. If you're comfortable with it, you don't have to do it, but I'm going to ask you to own your prayer, leave your seat and join us at the top because we're going to give these people to the Lord, put them on the altar and then we're going to pray God's strength in you and God's wisdom in you. Let's sing it again, guys, as the guys are coming up. Snow shadow won't light up, mountain won't climb up, coming after me. person in your hands and I want you to hand that person over to the Lord you have to pray before we see in the name of Jesus every name that has been spoken now in prayer we give them to you Lord and I give you that person I'm praying for whether they are enemies of yours neutral duty people just searching Greeks and Romans and all kinds Jesus here they are Lord we ask you to start a wonderful work in their lives. We can't do it on our own, so we leave them at your feet. And we do this in Jesus' name. And all who prayed the prayer said, Hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel inadequate when I come up against some people. They might be smarter than me. They might have a stronger belief than me. And sometimes, lads, it's like a mountain we've got to climb.
But if God's Holy Spirit is blowing in your heart, and if the power of God is using you, you will overcome every obstacle and every argument that is said against the name of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to lift your hands up one more time. And this is you receiving. And I'm going to pray now that God's touch from heaven would come upon you. By the power of Jesus of Nazareth, I pray that God's anointing would touch you, that you would get the intellectual ability to reason with people, that you would get the emotional intelligence to connect with that person, but above all, that you would spiritually know something of a kiss from heaven. May you find favor with the person you're praying for right now. And may the living God, even Jesus our Savior, walk into that room. Walk into that conversation before you. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Teddy, I believe the Lord would say this to you. You are like a man of Galilee. Would you come forward? You're like a man of Galilee. And even as Jesus of Galilee and Jesus of Nazareth changed lives, the Lord will use you in a greater degree at this next stage of your life than he ever did in the past. And I believe the Lord would say to you, Ted, that there are men and women who are from Galilee, as it were, and they don't know it. All over the city, there are men and women who are broken, who are hiding, who don't have confidence, and the Lord has raised you up, Ted, at this time, for such a time as this, to reach out and bless them and speak the word. And so the Lord would say, he will give you a depth of anointing that you will speak only in the Holy Spirit. And when you start a conversation, you will be amazed at what you don't say as well as what you do say, because it will be the living God, as it were, using you, using you. And so may many people of Galilee come to faith as you reach out at this time because the glory Ted of the latter temple is far greater than the former temple as you've come to this age in your life the Lord would say this is the most blessed season of your life ahead in Jesus name we pray some here are praying for someone in their family and you know there's a duty thing. Maybe it's a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a friend. And you're the only one that really loves the Lord connected to them. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? Whether you're up here or down there. Could the other guys go to their seats? Just stay standing and could you come forward? We're just going to pray for you as a group. Because I think... This particular group, God has laid on my heart, the Judy people, the Romans as it were. Praise God. Will we lift up our hands? Come Holy Spirit. Father, we capture the argument that is coming against your word in the lives of these people who are in our lives. We capture that argument now. And we bring it to Jesus. And we pray that the truth will set these people free. Can you say amen to that? May the truth set them free in Jesus' name. Come Holy Spirit, break down the walls. 
capture the argument. May this stronghold not stand because Jesus is moving in power and with anointing. Come, Spirit of God.